a consistent, disciplined, daily practice of something, even if it's 15 minutes or half an hour, I think is a requirement for every woman. Because there can be no other time in the day that you consistently take for yourself. Hello and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. This podcast is an offering for all women to gather energetically, sister to sister, mother to mother, to co-create a sacred space for healing, educating, and sharing as we journey through motherhood and womanhood. It is such an incredibly powerful moment in time to be a woman, and I thank you for showing up on behalf of yourself and for all of the women in your lives, past, present, and future, to honor our matriarchal lines, all who came before, and all who will come after. Jema. Hi, and welcome to Mother the Mother. I am McLean McGowan. In today's episode, I sit down with Wa, the incredible yogini and singer and healer, to discuss motherhood and her journey and her work. And um, it was such an honor to have her in my house and to sit down with her and just soak up some of her knowledge. And I hope that you guys all enjoy it. Wa has been, um, I would say, a mentor to me from afar. I've been listening to her music since her first release of her CD in 1997. She was an integral part of the yoga boom. Her music was pretty much in every yoga class in the late 90s and on through the 2000s. So if you're practicing yoga at the time, you've heard her music for sure. And I listen to them a lot, possibly daily, especially when I'm in LA traffic. Her mantras have always you know, been a really really beautiful, soothing, meditative space for me. And when I was coming up with music that I might want to use for this podcast, Mother the Mother, I was speaking with my friend who's a musician, Jennifer Pascal, and I said, would you be interested in possibly doing a recording with me of J Ma? I adore this mantra performed by Wa. I listen to it every day and I just feel like it'd be so perfect for Mother the Mother. And she said, well, yeah, I'd be honored to, but have you thought about just reaching out to Wa? And it had not even crossed my mind to do that. That seemed just out of out of my, my scope. But I did that day. I emailed her and she responded back pretty v- immediately. And we were emailing back and forth and I got the licensing to use J Ma and she was totally into doing the podcast. She's a mother of two and obviously knows the importance of support, especially postpartum support and education. And so she was like, next time I'm down there, I'd love to be on the podcast. So she's down here tonight performing at Ama's place in Redondo Beach. She does these healing concerts with mantra, music, sound, and light. And so it's a whole visceral show and healing show. And um, Jemima and I are going, I can't wait. And it's really been beautiful to see. Jemima's been so excited to meet her all week and she picked these beautiful flowers for her yesterday and got to meet her today before our interview. It was it was just really a beautiful kind of full circle moment for me having my daughter who also loves Wa's music so much and then to be able to meet her and Wa's just so down to earth and knowledgeable and an incredible human being. So I can't wait to have her back. We just barely kind of scratched the surface on the topics I want to discuss with her. But if you don't know or have not heard her music, 
Um, please look into her music because it's, she's incredible. She's also a healer. She does sound healing. She does teacher training, yoga teacher trainings um, in the San Francisco area and beyond. Like I said, she's a mother of two, a boy and a girl. She had two home births. She's very much in the mix of people and mentoring young musicians and young people in general. She works with cancer patients in San Francisco and San Diego. She's been involved in many, many benefit concerts around the world, one of which is farmer suicide prevention in India, which helps the farmers cope with crop failure and loan sharking, which is a huge problem. She also created a yoga program for the women's detention camp in Rainbow, San Diego County. And she's just a real lover of life and a joy spreader. So I encourage you to check out her mantras and um, I hope you enjoy the podcast today. Thank you so much for showing up here, Jay Ma. Hi, McLean. Thank you for being here. Yay. So happy have you. So before we just hit record, we were talking about all the different things you do. Start us off with how you describe your work and how you're showing up as a woman these days. Well, that's a a very big question. (laughs) I describe myself as as a sound healer. I do music concerts. I also work with different segments of the population that might be a little more challenged people who are depressed, people who have cancer, um, people who want to go a little deeper in their yoga practice. Um, I do teacher yoga teacher training modules. I'm basically taking the wisdom of yoga and Ayurveda and applying it to as many different kinds of people as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. So some people will come and they want to get information. They want to have a tangible experience. They want to know how to get to a deeper state of connection. And with those people, I'll do a workshop or I'll do something. And then there's a whole other segment of the population that just wants to feel better. Mm. And for those people, I do the healing concert. Mm. And I just say, well, you know, you don't have to wear spandex. You don't have to touch your toes. (laughs) Like, you don't have to actually do anything. Like, can you take a nap? Mm. And they're like, yeah, I can do that. I'm like, good, then you qualify. <laughs> you should come to the healing concert and just look at the stars. And we bathe people in these beautiful uh, laser lights that, you know, slow down brain waves and heal skin tissue. They're similar frequencies to the medical lasers. Wow. But they're beautiful to look at. And so then I just sing to people as if they were in Shavasana. But, you know, I don't sing all in Sanskrit. I try and sing. Ave Maria, Kiri Eleison, some English songs. You know, I just try and make it as appealing as I possibly can so that anybody at all could maybe just come and feel soothed. So it's like from the very intense exploration of bandhas and holding your breath and, you know, like, you know, in-depth practice of yoga all the way to I'll just sing to you. Would that be okay? And so, I've, you know, like I said, I've worked with cancer patients and just all kinds of people. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just don't, I don't want to leave this earth having not tried to reach as many different types of people as Mm -hmm. I can. I love that, that you're making that offering. Because you, 
You've been putting CDs out since the 90s. So you were really in the boom of the yoga that was for, that was just good fortune, mm-hmm. really, because, <laughs> you know, I got into yoga when I was 17. Mm-hmm. You know, I had just come back from Africa and, you know, it was obvious that I shouldn't live in Africa for the rest of my life, even though I had a longing to do so. I had the wrong color skin and I don't know, I just, I felt like it was home. It was kind of an association probably with some other life. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, okay, well, then what should I be doing? So within a couple months, you know, of coming back from Africa, then I kind of got into TM and found some people that were doing yoga. You know, there was no internet back then for any of you listeners who are too young to figure that out. There was something called the Yellow Pages. And where were you? Were you in L.A. or San Francisco? Um, No, I was in New York. Yeah, just kind of finding my way into into the yoga world. So. You know, and back then, like I said, there was no internet. There were there were no books on yoga. Just so like crazy. to be totally clear <laughs> about what we're talking about. And so it's like you know, I I have a performing arts major from Oberlin College, and you know, so I could teach dance. I know the anatomy. I have a massage license. You know, and they were like, "Oh, good. So you'll teach on Tuesday night." And I'm like, oh. "What?" <laughs> <laughs> so you just you, <clears throat> what yoga studio did you? It wasn't. Oh, it wasn't. It was just like it was a space. It was uh, someone's wow. home. Wow. So you know, it's um, you know, and that's kind of where it has all started, and and for me, that's where it remains. Mm. It's just like, can you be serviceful? Mm. Can you find a way to help feed the hungry? You know, can you help people who feel overwhelmed by their state of health? Mm-hmm. You know, can you help in a way that they might not be getting from somewhere else? Which is so beautiful because each one of us can do that in some way. You exactly. Know? It's very attainable. Just be in loving kindness and service in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel, did you kind of burn out from the yoga community or did you feel like it was just time to expand reaching other people or realizing that not everyone wants to show up in a yoga studio? I haven't abandoned the yoga community at all. Mm-hmm. I I am just passionate go. about teaching yoga teacher training. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of it in San Francisco, but also in other parts of the of the country. And I feel like the yoga studios are are really important, mm-hmm. you know. But you know, I've been doing this for a long time, so you know, in the beginning, like I said, there weren't any yoga books, and because I knew how to teach dance, they were like, "Good, you'll teach mm-hmm. cat cow." <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, know how to move your body exactly and mm-hmm. so i've i've you know and then the celebrities started doing yoga it was like staying in madonna and i got hooked up with courtney love and um you know once the celebrities became interested in yoga then yoga expanded so mm-hmm. now yoga is everywhere but it's still continuing to evolve yeah you know there was never yoga for golf Yoga for sailing, yoga for mothers, yoga for pregnancy, yoga mm-hmm. for scoliosis. There was never any of that. Mm-hmm. And I always joke at the beginning of my my women's retreats, and, and sometimes, you know, the teacher trainings are only women. But I always make the joke that, you know, very early on, you know, I was at a training and we were we were talking about um, being master of your domain. And so, you know, the teaching for that day was if you're, if you've mastered your nine holes, 
then you are master of your domain, which is Raja Yoga, which is being king of your domain, so to speak. Raja means king. And so they were saying, you know, what goes in and out of your mouth is important. What goes in and out of your ears, that's important. How the breath goes in and out of your nose. You know, what happens downstairs, you know, who you have sex with. Um, What's the color of your pee? What's the consistency of your poop? Like, just studying all the holes. And, uh, And so I was having lunch with a girl, and she said, I don't get it. And I was like, what? Like, what don't you get? Like, just be mindful of what goes in and out. And she goes, no, 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 I'm going to get that part. But I have 10 holes. And I was like, what? And she was like, don't you? And I was like, okay, wait. It's two, four, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. Oh. And so at that moment, I realized that all the teachings, all the scriptures, everything that I I had been studying had been written by men. And so I tell it the story in a way to kind of joke, but also to give women permission to expand and evolve the teachings in a way that is useful. Mm -hmm. And so instead of trying to You know, like the patriarchal style of teaching is I'm the authority and I stand up here. I have letters after my name and I've written a lot of books. And so I am respected. I am the authority. I'll tell you how it is. You'll take notes and then I'll test you on it. And if you answer the, if you answer the questions correctly, then you're part of the group. Mm -hmm. I'll give you certification. You'll be, you know, part of this elitist group that knows this information. And I've studied a lot of, of different teachers, and I'm, I'm very thirsty for different knowledge. One of the books that I had picked up, I travel around, and then I'll read all the books in, in the person's house, mm-hmm. you know, like while I'm staying there. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them was Discourses with Muktananda. And Muktananda, um, he instructed people to go into meditation and to see the blue pearl in the center of the head. My teacher, Amma, she um, instructs you to, to visualize a vibrating white pearl, kind of luminescent pearl inside the, side of the, head, in, inside the middle of the head. Anyway, Muktananda was telling people to look for the blue light and to look for this pearl in the middle of the head. And I was reading discourses with the students, and so students were saying, Guruji, I've been meditating for three years, and I don't see... I still don't see the blue light. Like, can you give me your blessing? Or, you know, like, am I doing something wrong? You know, and he was like, just keep meditating and you will find. And I was like, that's it? And then through all of my research and then working with, with, you know, children, I've had my own children. And then, you know, working, we did a really fun kind of games thing called Child's Play that was all about like, Where's your breath? And like just fun games, Mm -hmm. music. And so I learned that there are three different kinds of brains. So visual brains, auditory brains, and kinesthetic brains. And so in my work now, we go through and we explore all those different ways of connecting. Mm. So we'll do a meditative exercise and I'll have people share. And then we'll share in the group. And the visual people always raise their hand first. And they're like, 
I saw flowers and there was like this beautiful pink light and then, you know, there were rainbows and then we went through this world and it's like 3D color, you know, and, and they're very confident. And so then they share and it's like, then the people who are auditory are like, oh, and the people who are kinesthetic, they won't say a thing. And the auditory people, they'll be like, well, you know, I could kind of, I could hear myself, but I could hear other people in the room and, you know, like they share in a different way. Mm. And then the kinesthetic people, if you have a kinesthetic brain and children are mostly kinesthetic, the brain develops as you get older. They don't have words for how they experience things. And so like some of the adults, when they share and they're kinesthetic, then they'll be like, well, you know, it's kind of like, kind of getting into, you know, it was like, it's kind of creaky, you know. And then, then it was like, okay, kind of settle in. And then it's just like, whew. And, you know, and then it was like, yeah. And like, that's all you get. That's so cool. There's a whole bunch of that. sound effects. And I was like, oh my God, kinesthetic mm. people, they're like cartoons. Mm. But then I started going into all that. And then to bring it back to like the discourse with Muktananda, a beautiful soul who had amazing energy to share, but we've had to evolve it since mm. then. So it's like, if you don't see the blue light, you might just have an auditory or kinesthetic mm. brain. You know, it's like, because here I am, I'm 17, I'm getting into to yoga. There's no yoga books. I'm trying to find anyone who came back from India and like write down some kind of technique on a restaurant mm. napkin mm. and practice it for three months. And we have cassette tapes that I can't even read the liner notes for. Mm. They're in Hindi or, you know, it's just like you're throwing yourself into a world and it's like, we can evolve, we can continue to evolve it. And I really feel like women are the people who are going to evolve it. Mm -hmm. So for all you women out there, thank you so much for Mm -hmm. listening. And thank you so much for for being open and willing to do your work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's such a tricky thing. I feel like I have this conversation with a lot of people in the healing world of that old guard, you know, the patriarchy, it's changing. We're becoming much more matriarchal and also still in that place in business of doing trainings, getting certified, and then also at the same time knowing that it doesn't really matter because everything's changing too. Mm-hmm. So it's just, a, it's a, I feel like it's a tricky moment in history to know how to proceed. I guess you just have to do what really you feel called to. Yeah. Well, you know, the patriarchy has its oppression and matriarchy can also be oppressing. Mm. I mean, we can be mean to each other mm-hmm. no matter what the system is. Yeah. So I'm encouraging people that as we move into, you know, a more feminine culture that we include, that we soften, that we uh, create kindness. Mm-hmm. Because if, if women move into positions of power and then they just continue the competitive uh, exactly. paradigm, yeah. then it's like, you know, they're women that are becoming aggressive and that doesn't really get us where we need mm-hmm. to go. So it's, you know, it's, it's more along the lines of nurturing and understanding and, you know, like I said, including, mm-hmm. you know, I love kind of the big sister thing and, you know, mentoring and 
I feel like that's really what's going to have to happen. I'm just the lineages keep, you know, just changing the generations. Yeah. I love that. And I think I miss that so much. I grew up in the South and I don't know if it was attributed to the South or just the way my parents did it, but we always, parties were multi-generational, you know, and it was so special because it wasn't just the old people that are weird and don't have anything to say. It was, you really learned a lot from each other mm-hmm. and they were energized by the young ones and mm-hmm. I feel like that's how we all live on. But I think that's such a, a really big thing to remember. It's changing the judgment, you know, cause we're all so used to also judging ourselves. So then we're judging others. It's something I've really tuned into of when I look in the mirror, not even putting judgments or if I see even a beautiful woman walking down the street and I'm judging her, on beauty. And even if it's positive, it's still all these judgments running through my head all day long. Mm-hmm. And so really trying to just, I'm viewing it, but then also trying to minimize that too, because it's so insidious. We've just all been raised that way. Well, it gets into self-soothing. Mm-hmm. And this is March, 2019. Um, and my book isn't out yet, but we've created a book of 56 cards, basically a deck of cards that gives you inspirations for different things that you can do in order to self-soothe. And it's been a beautiful awakening for me. It's been a synthesis of traditional Chinese medicine with Ayurveda and yoga, kind of like putting all the wisdoms together, but then putting them together in a feminine way. Mm. So it's just like, oh, really? You're PMS and you're like totally crazy? Well, would you be willing to have a glass of water? Mm-hmm. You, know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. that complicated. But the it thing doesn't. is, is kind of like, you know, my teacher, Emma, she always says, says she shares a story that, um, you know, there's somebody in an apartment building on the first floor that has a fire in their apartment and they're asking for help. And the people on the fifth floor look down and they're like, well, it's not my apartment. Mm. Of course, the fire is going to spread right. up into their apartment. Mm-hmm. So she says, you know, other people's problems may quickly become your problems. Yeah. And if you think of it that way, as far as environment and as far as the society and everything, then it's a feeling of inclusion. So it's just like everyone is a part of your family. And so as you see someone who's walking down the sidewalk, then it's like, it's, it's a feeling of support. And if I can initiate that in you towards yourself and then also towards others, then it's like you see someone who is walking down the street. They're dressed really nice. They're looking kind of spot on, you know, and you're like, yes, yeah, sister, you mm-hmm. go. Totally. And it's like she had enough time to like yeah. put an outfit together. <laughs> and it's like you're so happy for her. <laughs> totally. I know. And it makes you happy. And then you're giving that out for the rest of the day. Yeah, because they're they're shining and it's like the yeah. more people that shine, the better we are. And you know, and especially when you're dealing with moms, you know, it can feel like you're in a whole other world. It can feel like you're doing a certain life that maybe your friends who don't have kids aren't doing and then you can feel like there's a separation. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like the moms are feeling like they don't you know, you don't get any sleep. You know, it's like you're always multitasking. It's like the house is a mess. It's just like service 
in a way that you maybe never even anticipated. It just goes on and on, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, you you know, you're hanging out with friends who maybe don't have children and, you know, they're able to do date night and kind of go out and have some fun and this and that. And it's like, you know, it's self-care is something that each person has to do. So it's like, if you're a mother, then it's like, you have to take an hour to yourself every day. And it's like, even if it's during nap time or, you know, as they get older, they can have their, they can have play time. Yeah, they, can, they can have alone play time. I, I used to go when I was, a, I, anyway, it's a long story, but um, I used to teach water skiing. I, I directed programs at a camp hmm. and I brought my daughter when she was two. In California? Or was he, I think she might've been a year and a half. It was in New England. I flew out and directed programs there. And I would teach, I taught one class every day. It was water skiing in the afternoon. So I would put her down for her nap and then I would put her in a playpen underneath mm-hmm. a pine tree oh, that was kind of near so the walkway nice. where the stu- you know, the other campers walked by. And I put a little sign that says, shh, you know, baby <laughs> sleeping. And if she slept through, then she slept through. And if she woke, then people would come up, talk to her. And, you know, and I would teach my hour water skiing class and so I'd come much. back and I'd pick her up. And it was mm-hmm. like, you know, it's it's that feeling of the village yeah. and also trusting that the universe can open up opportunities for you to do something to feed yourself and that other people, it's just natural yeah. for, for people to kind of join in or to help each other. And, you know, when I'm working in my workshops and, you know, we're talking about the different brainwave states Beta wave is the the busy kind of active brain. Alpha wave is kind of you're going into a nap or shavasana. Theta wave is where healing happens, deep meditation. Segwaying into being a mom, how did you do your work while being a mom? And what did being a young mom or new mom look like for you? There are a lot of choices as far as, you know, how you get, how you... Uh, handle your pregnancy, how you handle what choices you make for your birth, whether you nurse or not, immunizations. I mean, it's like parenting is a whole series of choices. And, you know, that, that can be, shall we say, daunting. And a lot of times we'll start at the place where our parents left us. I mean, I call it the default, Mm -hmm. you know, and lucky for me, my mom wanted a natural childbirth, and it kind of wasn't accepted at that time. Where and was she at that time? She, um, I was born in Alabama. You were? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> My brother was born in New Orleans, and you know they gave her an epidural or something that made it. What she said was that she couldn't participate in the birth. Mm. She couldn't feel anything, and so she want she kind of made sure that she would have a natural childbirth with me. But I also ensured that she had a natural childbirth because I was born in the car on the oh, way to the hospital. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it's kind of like they're bringing wow. me into the hospital, and it's like, no, thank you. I don't need any help. <laughs> I got so this. <laughs> that's So that's wow. kind of my personality. Wow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, no, I'm going to make sure. Mm-hmm. You're going to handle it. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Kind of that way. So... <laughs> Um, 
so, you know, it's, I, I kind of handled things in the way that I felt was comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had natural childbirths with both children. They were both born at home. Um, with my son, he was born in New York City, and my friends, we had the third and fourth of a, what do they call them, duplex in Brooklyn, and my friends all came and sang and chanted on the third floor while my husband and I and the midwife were upstairs, and um, it was a pretty fast first birth. It was like five hours. That's fast. It is fast, and my other one was only two hours. Whoa. But, you know, I think when the glandular system is working, when the intuition is working, when the hormones are allowed to secrete, you know, then the process is natural, Mm -hmm. you know. And it's like when we start adding chemicals, we start adding different kinds of medications, it can make it necessary to be in a medical facility in order to monitor things that have been artificially changed. Yeah. So I didn't have anything artificially changed. It was easy for me to have a natural childbirth, you know, mm. lots of, they call it labor. Mm. You know, but I had, I had a midwife who was very um, experienced, and she just sat in the rocking chair in the corner, and she was like, Hey, you're doing fine, honey. You're doing fine. <laughs> and then after the birth, she was like, well, you know, that baby's head is so bald. <laughs> I thought he was breached there for a minute. Oh, my God. And it's like now in my later years, it's like breach. Oh, my God. Like, you know, would have well, been a crisis happened. and totally. this and that. But she, she wasn't handled it. Right. She wasn't yeah. concerned at all. And wow. so. There's an element of, of knowledge that makes us make a mountain out of a molehill. And sometimes as a young mother, if you start researching, you can really go down a rabbit hole mm-hmm. and not realize that giving birth is something that happens to you. Mm-hmm. And it's something that the body knows how to do. And so it's a process of allowing. Ugh, yes, that was my mantra with because I with Goldie Wolf the second I had a home birth that was my mantra just allow 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 because we're so used to controlling everything in our lives and I love what you just said about it happens I mean it happens to you we're not mm-hmm. in we're not driving it and we are still under this notion that we are and it's so yeah. much responsibility and anxiety inducing because we're trying to control the whole thing yeah well it's it's <clears throat> our false belief very false. Yeah. And then what, you had a second here in L.A., your daughter? A second one was born in Santa Fe. Oh, okay. Oh, amazing. I love Santa Fe. Yeah. So, but, you know, she came out blue. (sighs) And so, you know, the midwife there, we were were playing Scrabble. I just come from the um, studio. I wanted to finish a, a, a recording project. And my daughter came two weeks early, so I wasn't expecting her. And, um... So anyway, I got up to, to pee and in the middle of the night and my water broke as I was like stepping over my husband to try and like get over, you know, and he was like, what the hell is going on? I was like, I'm not Sorry. sure. I, I, that doesn't, I wasn't, no, I didn't. <laughs> so anyway, then we were like, oh, like maybe something's happening. So we played Scrabble for a while and I had some contractions and, you know, I was like, oh, you know, it's five in the morning. Let's not wake her up. That's right. like. 
you know? And so then he was like, I'll just call her and let her know what's going on, you know? And she was like, oh my God, I'm coming right over. <laughs> you know, she was born like an hour and a half later, oh but my gosh. you know, we just like, I was like, okay, now what? And she was like, well, just put out a shower curtain, you know? So put out a shower curtain, you know, it was just yeah. like, and then she, you know, after she was born, then she was blue. And so she gave her a little bit of oxygen, you know, Santa mm-hmm. Fe's at a high altitude. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then we wrapped her up and massaged the fluids back into her system and into her skin. And, you know, and I said, can I go take a shower? And she was like, yeah, if you can walk like you can go on, go on ahead. You know, and then I went and I took a shower and I was just like, like, oh, like I started <laughs> feeling so sad, you know, because it was Aww. like, here I've been like one with this child. Mm-hmm. For so long, and it was like, I'm taking a shower, and I'm realizing that there's only me mm. in the shower, mm. you know? And it was like, you just, they're, they're just all these beautiful experiences that yeah. open to you that you might not have, you know, if, if, if you didn't go through that process. Yeah. And I think, you know, the thing to maybe keep in mind as you're moving into motherhood is that there's always going to be problems and you just don't let problems stay problems. Yeah. You just like find a solution. You just try something and it's like, well, did that remedy work? You know? And it's like, well, I don't know, you know, and then and it's like, no, I actually feel better on that protein mm-hmm. powder, but not the other one. Right. Or like you just, it's kind of like, just like a constant dialogue. It's like, do I feel okay? Yeah. And it's like, if you don't feel okay, then you just kind of notice it. To think that you're not going to get in the shower and feel sad is to not acknowledge that hormones mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. And it's like the hormones begin like during the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. There's a picture of me like sewing a curtain, you know, like just trying to wait for the mm-hmm. contractions to start when I was giving birth to my son. And it's like, I look like I'm stoned Mm -hmm. and it's like, I'm so happy, but it's just like, I'm so, you're in the zone. I'm in the zone. I'm so wide open. And it's like, I, this was a natural childbirth. I didn't do anything. I didn't even do like breathing exercises or anything. This is something that was happening to me. Pituitary knows when it's time. Mm -hmm. It softens the, the gateway and, you know, and it's like, and then after the child is born, like there's a letdown. You know, it's like, I don't know, for maybe a week or two, you know, it's like, I'm on adrenaline. Yeah. I'm going to rearrange all the furniture in the house. And, you know, (laughs) I mean, it was just like, yes, we're going to do this. I have a healthy child and, you know, I'm going to, I can go back to work pretty soon, I think. And, or whatever those false beliefs are. And you think you're going to be superwoman. And then the letdown comes, you know? So it's like, like you said, like not trying to control it, but trying to participate in it Mm -hmm. in a way that is soft, in a way that has awareness and even some humor, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's not your fault that you're just like blubbering sadness for some ridiculous reason that doesn't even make sense. And, and it continues. Yeah, and it just, just kind of continues. And humor. then what do you do about this? And what yeah. do you do about that? And then, 
the kids are okay, but then your husband's driving you crazy. And, you know, it's just kind of like you can have an outlet for it or you can have, you know, I have moms that have become friends even, and we'll just kind of text each other back and forth, but it's not all complaining. Yeah. It's not, you know, like sometimes it's just like, oh my God, like I'm not going to make it through the day. Mm-hmm. And they might not even say why, or yeah. they'll just say husband, text, yeah. that's it. One word, <laughs> husband. <laughs> and it's like, then I text I back that. like Jema, you know, like uh. I'll just like text back a mantra or maybe we'll sing a mantra to each other or send good stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like it's a beautiful day or, you know, I'm, I'm making, I'm making steps, yeah. I'm taking steps. And it's like, then your girlfriend can just say, good for you. Yeah. And we can kind of parent each other. We can nurture each other, you know, so it's like, make sure that, that you have a support system and then also make sure that the support system is not all one flavor. Yes. You know, like don't always complain to your husband. Yeah. Like flirt sometimes, mm-hmm. even when yeah. it doesn't seem natural and you're, 10 pounds overweight because you're nursing or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's like try and mix it up a little bit, you know, so that you have affirmations for yourself that you're staying connected to the joy that you're following. Everyone's following kind of like a little thread of joy. There's something that's calling to them. And it's like, just stay connected to that. Mm. And it could be kids that are distracting you, or it could be a relationship that's distracting you, or it could be a job, you know, or it could be, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that's in the family because not everybody has kids. Yeah. It's like, just figure out a way to stay connected. I love that. Totally. And follow that. And I think circling back to the self-care piece because that's become such a trendy kind of word right now and I feel like on Instagram everyone's you know everything's hashtag self-care and and I do that too but it can be very simple you know and I'm all about that and it sounds like you know the little you shared about the deck and the cards Mm -hmm. it's such a easy way to do that because it doesn't have to be a lot it literally is like taking a bath going outside getting some sun on your face turning your phone off I mean whatever it is Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be about spending money and hiring a nanny. It can be really tangible things that make a huge difference in your day. Mm-hmm. And I also love what you just shared about not complaining all the time. Because sometimes we just do need to vent. And it's not even like you need a response from someone. You just need to literally get it out of your brain right. to an, another adult if you're at mm-hmm. home with kids all the time. <laughs> uh, just like take, like just take that out of my brain for a second. But then I think having, you know, different kinds of friends, like you're saying, like you're getting different love back, you're getting different advice, just bearing witness to it. Sometimes is all we need. Like we don't need a whole like five minute spiel to make us feel better or like, or go down that rabbit hole with us. Cause that doesn't really ultimately help us that much. If everyone's just always kind of getting on your pity party with you. Right. Or, or that you're using certain friends to complain to. Exactly. Cause that gets old when you're on the other side of it too. Yeah, Amma told a story, again, back to Emma, but she said that they did some kind of research project where they they had a tree, and for two weeks they asked, or for some period of time, they had people go up and vent their anger at this tree. Mm. And, like, the tree basically wilted and oh, died. God. You know, yeah. so, you know, don't vent your anger all in one place. 
really? and expect that that person's gonna that's such a good image save you yeah. you know just try and keep it like different pots on the on the mm-hmm. on the stove yeah I you love know that. it's just like you know how's this person doing and what's happening in their life and it's mm-hmm. just you know just surround yourself with enough different kinds of activities that no one thing drains your energy yeah and no one thing makes or breaks you. Because I think we're all, you know, a lot of us, especially moms, especially in LA where there's so much education and so much at our fingertips, which in general is really great. But I think the dark side of that is this perfectionist mothering that there's only one way to do it or one type of mothering. And I'm seeing it a lot with my clients. It invokes a huge amount of anxiety and not trusting your intuition. Mm-hmm. And it all comes back to that. Like, what are you feeling what what food tastes good to you today? I mean, that is revolutionary to a lot of people because they're so used to eating what they think they should be eating. It's not mm-hmm. even what they want to be eating. And we know the joy or lack thereof of the food you eat or the water you drink or the tea you drink makes a huge you know, difference in how mm-hmm. we metabolize it and our body utilizes all the you know, nutrition. So it just, I don't know, all the points you're saying, I just think are so important for women, especially new moms or moms pregnant or thinking about becoming pregnant is really, there's no one way to do it. And right when you think you have it figured out, something else happens and you have a new big lesson to learn. And it's usually the unexpected things. Mm -hmm. So it's just a journey. I mean, motherhood is a journey and it's never going to end. It's a huge, it's a life marathon. And the second you get out that of one sounds phase. sounds really scary. I know. It really does. <laughs> Let's it say really it does. it's a life circus. It's a life circus. I don't know. Something. But it's fun. And I think it's really important to always view your life as joy, too. It's joyful. Like, motherhood should be joyful. Like, we want to mm-hmm. be fun and have fun, enjoy our lives, enjoy our kids. Yeah. Enjoy our husbands, our partners, and not get so, you know, controlling about it all. One of the things that I tell people is to give yourself permission to be. And, you know, this has to do with first chakra. You know, first chakra, or for those of you who don't know, there's different energy centers in the body according to yoga. And the first one, which is at the very base of the spine, is basically yes or no. You know, will the energy mm-hmm. begin or will it not begin? And that sounds really easy in some ways. Like if you say no, then nothing happens. And if you say yes, then something begins. But if you're not really giving yourself permission to be and do what you just signed up to do, then you're constricting your experience. Mm. And so, you know, if you're pregnant, then whatever is happening, you're just like, and this is what pregnancy looks like. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that it looks like that for everyone, but at least you're giving yourself permission. It's like, and this is what pregnancy looks like on me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I yeah. barfed my brains out for two weeks. And it's like, so that's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And so then you're like, okay, like that's how it is. Or, you know, this is what nursing looks like, or this is what trying to juggle a job and a mom who's dying. And, you know, this or that, that's, so that's what it looks like. And I give myself permission to be exactly as I am in this situation. And so, you know, whether you're a mom or not, you know, this, this teaching is 
important because it's like, this is what a breakup looks like. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, this is what trying to get that certification looks like. Or this is what school looks like. You know, or this is what putting my marriage back together looks like. And it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't have to work out exactly the way that you wanted it to, but at least you'll be able to see yourself as doing that instead of focusing so much on the goal of like, it has to look like this, which is perfect and unattainable, Mm -hmm. you know, but instead you're like, okay, well, the house is a mess Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that drives me crazy Mm -hmm. or whatever, you know, and then you're just like, okay, and that's, that's what motherhood looks like. And then when you're maybe a few years down the line and you're in the supermarket and you're going by someone who has some unruly child in the shopping basket, you know, and they're like, rah, 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 you know, and it, it, it clearly looks impossible. Then you're able to look at the mom and smile at her and just wink and just mm-hmm. be just like, hey, and yeah. smile at them. And it's just like, Yep. Mm -hmm. And that's what it looks like to have a really tantrum child while you're trying to get the food for your husband's dinner. (laughs) And so then you're including. Yeah. Again, you're including yourself in the experience of being human. And I think, you know, that's that's what women can do for each other. Mm -hmm. They can just they can support each other. It's like good for you. How do you do that? Do you have daily practices or is it just a lifetime of being mindful where you are more in the witnessing and less in the judgment of your of yourself or your process? Well, mindfulness mindfulness is just it's a, a sensory awareness. So mindfulness is being aware of the air in the room, being aware of the the temperature of the breath, being aware of sensations inside the body so they say mindfulness doesn't it can happen on its own but meditation it's a deeper it's meditation and mindfulness are different Mm -hmm. and it's like you know a strong i won't even say strong i'll just say a consistent disciplined daily practice of something even if it's 15 minutes or half an hour Mm -hmm. I think is a requirement for every woman. Yeah. Because there can be no other time in the day that you consistently take for yourself. And so even if you're just chanting a mantra for 15 minutes a day, or you're listening to a track, or you're doing a guided visualization or something, um, that kind of steady practice is really good for the mind because the mind is a muscle like any other. And, you know, it's like to be able to soften, to be able to start going in one direction and then go, I already know what that result is. Mm-hmm. I think I'll make a hang a left here <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just go and slice an apple and maybe go and serve it. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of um, mental capacity is what comes through meditation. And so you're focusing... Meditation is a mild focus of the brain. So it's not balancing your checkbook. It's not mm-hmm. a very focused use, engagement of the brain. It's a mild focus. It's the same as knitting. 
Um, it's the same as, you know, counting malas or, or is a mild, mild focus of the brain that allows emotions to surface and allows you to create a coherent energy field for yourself. And so whether you're doing a guided visualization, whether you're doing a mantra practice, whatever style of meditation that you want to do, I think it's very important that everyone, every, every woman either you know, take time at some point during the day. Usually in the morning is easier, but you know, if evening mm-hmm. time is, is your time, then do it then. But I think that that really helps. That gives you an advantage yeah. to not be subject to your default and your reactions. So especially for moms... And women. I mean, just in general, I feel like just the way our nervous systems are rigged, you know, it's like we're just like octopus or octopi, like without the day. And especially if you do have kids, you know, we're we're tracking so many things throughout the day and other people. And so just to have that space within your own body and mind is huge. And I notice when I don't, it's not my my patience, like everything is just more raw and like on the fence about to go down. There's, and the discipline, the discipline is necessary Mm -hmm. because your crown chakra opens up because your intuition is increasing so that you can protect your children and your navel has expanded and doesn't always come back to exactly the way that it was before. Mm -hmm. So if this area, uh, pointing to the solar plexus, if the solar plexus is open, that means that you're going to be more empathic. You're going to be able to feel people, mm-hmm. which is really helpful if your child can't talk. You want to be able to empathize with your child and just feel like, oh, okay, they're just irritated because there's teeth moving inside mm-hmm. their head mm-hmm. or whatever. You have psychic connection with your children. These skills are not to be used out in public. Mm. You, you don't take those skills and that openness and then go out to a party and start feeling everybody's feelings at the party or go sh- shopping at the supermarket and start analyzing what kind of problems this couple is having that's fighting in front of the supermarket. Yeah. So you, you have to be disciplined. Otherwise, your energy will just drain yeah. into all these areas that are none of your business. So you have to be disciplined about what is your business, what is your work. And what is not your business? Mm-hmm. So this is discipline. Yeah. And this comes, healthy boundaries comes through. boundaries of what allow, yeah. you're allowing in. Yeah. And it's, it is such a discipline. Mm-hmm. Especially if you are an empath, quote unquote, you know, where that's usually has such a positive kind of connotation, but it also allows us to bleed out so much of our energy. It's something I'm working on a lot. Yeah. I don't think that being work. empathic mm-hmm. is. I've been psychic all my life, so mm-hmm. I strongly disagree with your statement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a gift in a way, mm-hmm. but it requires protection. Mm-hmm. And it requires, you know, it's most of the people that I have met um, who are empathic are having, they're having some trouble in their life. Yeah. And it's just because they're too open. Right. You know, and so, and even drugs will open the mm-hmm. crown chakra. So it's like, hey, everybody, let's do ayahuasca. And it's like, this mm-hmm. crown chakra is not supposed to be open. That leaves you unprotected. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is supposed to be focused. There's rays coming out the top of the head, but the crown chakra itself 
is open for God. Mm-hmm. This doesn't get opened into this plane. That's a mess. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, things have to be, they have to be clean. And do you do like specific practices for that? Just do your meditation. Okay. Yeah. Just, Mm -hmm. just focus on your light or your pearl or, you know, Mother Teresa or Archangel Michael. I mean, whatever it is that you draw in. And if you're not visual, then you're not drawing in light. You're just making sound. Do ohms. Do Om Namah Shivaya. Do some mantra that you like, that feels comfortable to you. You know, so it's, it's, it's keeping your connection to source very clean. And when we talk about empathy in um, our retreats, we say that empathy is open to everything and doesn't give you a pathway. Compassion is the opposite. Compassion is you understand, you have a connection to yourself and you're allowing all possibility. Mm. And when you're empathic, then you're feeling everything and you're feeling like you got to go around and fix it. That would be me. Well, <laughs> but that's a natural process of being yeah, a mom. Yeah. Because you've never been opened up like that Anadula. before. Then you go through Anadula. Mm-hmm. And so then you go through this process and you get opened up and you're using your empathic or psychic skills to try and anticipate what needs to happen in this moment, you know? But then, you know, it has it has to be... Um, that's what your time alone is used for, so that your source energy is then clean, it's direct, and then what you, then you're using compassion in order to embrace and tolerate and help all these different people in all these different mm-hmm. situations. And it's it's almost like if you are empathic in a way that is destructive, <clears throat> that you don't trust. Mm-hmm. So you don't trust that everybody can do their work. And I'll tell you, every child that comes out from the day that they are born, they have their own capacity to draw in what they need. Mm-hmm. And you just, it's like each that. child just mm-hmm. draws in exactly the thing that they need. And so then you see it visibly manifest in front of you. And then hopefully you conclude that each person is capable of doing their own work. They're capable of taking on their own challenges. And so then instead of going and trying to fix it, then you go over and you say, I see that you're having trouble with those blocks. Mm -hmm. That is really frustrating, isn't it? Because those stupid blocks won't go in the reverse order. They just topple every time, (laughs) don't they? Oh, that's so frustrating. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, well, honey, this is how you do it. You put the big blocks on the bottom. Yeah. You know, when you practice silence, then you realize that almost everything you say is unnecessary. No, it's so true. I mean, that's my dream right now is to go like not speak to anyone and be alone for 10 days. Like that is how I reveal like up. So the meditation is so key for me. But it's just funny because when you're saying all that, I really appreciate it because it's something I'm working on. And I, it drives me crazy when men sometimes my husband, try to fix everything when I just want to vent. And I'm actually seeing that that's what I'm trying to do Mm -hmm. for other people. And Mm -hmm. it's, anyway, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that download. And that's a natural reaction. You know? Yeah, but it's like if you vent, then the guy is- me other people's work. 
right? Your guy loves you, and so he's going to try and fix it. And so then you're like, ugh. But you can preface it by saying, okay, what I'm going to say right now. (laughs) I've started doing that a little bit. You can preface it sometimes. That helps. Or you can just like have a girlfriend that you just just text. Yeah. And you're just like, husband, girl. Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) and they can respond or not respond. Yeah. You know, but at least then, or sometimes I can text and just say, I'm praying that I get a different perspective. Mm, Yeah. And you send it, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like your girlfriend just receives that and just maybe they text back and they're like, you have everything you need, honey. Mm -hmm. And so then what you're doing, you, you recognize what you need to vent. But then sometimes you vent, but sometimes pray, mm-hmm. you know, like, like yeah. I said, like mix it mix up and it have up. different kinds of pots, different kinds of qualities going so that it doesn't turn into a routine mm-hmm. that then somehow might turn into a rut. And that's something I love about Kundalini. I really got that teaching of sometimes it's just a teeny, teeny shift in the perspective and it changes everything. You know, mm-hmm. these, these moments where you feel like it just there's no way it's going to be fixed. And then like one little tweak and it's so different. Mm-hmm. I could keep talking to you for hours. Yay. Um, Thank you for listening, everybody. Oh my God. I feel like that I, I feel like I'm not quite done yet. How did you do your work with babies or with kids? Did you take them on the road with you? Mm-hmm. You did? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and how did that look? Mm-hmm. Not graceful. Yeah, it's, you know, there's an aspect of parenting that you're going on a certain journey together and you have needs, the husband has needs, the children have needs, you know, and that's just kind of like, it's an experience that you agree to go through together in order to learn something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as far as my work, which is, you know, in the spiritual realms and chanting for people and, you know, sharing meditation practices and yoga and all of that stuff. My dharma hasn't changed. And for those of you who don't know what dharma is, dharma, dharma is the word, and it literally means path. But it is, it has the connotation of those things that are your practice, the things that you, it's your gift. It's, it's the thing that you're supposed to be offering the world. Mm. It's the, the things that you're supposed to be attentive to. That's your path. Mm-hmm. This is your work. And your dharma doesn't change no matter what your family goes through. So, you know, whether your family is connected to you or not, whether you're still married, whether you're, your parent, your kids are in school, whether they're out of school, whether they've died, whether they're still alive, you know, this is, this is an experience that you all agreed to go through together in order to expand all of you from the last time, mm-hmm. if you believe in reincarnation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've continued my, my practices because that's what keeps me connected to what I'm supposed to be doing here. And my children have been included in that, you know, as they want to be included. There's a time, you know, like my daughter traveled with me around the world for, 
don't know, four or five years until she got into middle school. And they were like, well, she'll flunk chemistry and she'll flunk PE because attendance is required. Such a bummer. Well, and then I was like, okay, so now do we homeschool or do we do something else? And, you know, for each child is different. Yeah. Some kids, it's like, yeah, let's homeschool. And other kids are like, my daughter, no. Mm -hmm. She has, she is going to have to go into the social scene. She's going to have to, she needs those skills Mm -hmm. to kind of rough it up with her friends and, and figure out who the different types of personalities are and who the popular kids are and who the creative kids are. And like she wanted that and she needed to know and, and she's doing great. So, but you know, she, she did travel with me, you know, and you know, she did a report on nine, nine 11 after the trade towers came down and we visited what looked like a war zone at that time. And she drew drawings and did like a whole journalism thing about, about it and were you in new york or you went after we went just like 10 days afterwards mm-hmm. we had a tour scheduled and wow. yeah it was, it was traumatic it was really traumatic for the people who lived there mm-hmm. and so we there we were showing up to be in service mm-hmm. so you know my daughter's in medical school right now and you know mm-hmm. her her purpose is service she wants to be of service somehow mm-hmm. we don't know exactly what that will look like mm-hmm. but you know you you again it's like if you're if you're in the feminine incarnation then my advice to you is to include and so you include your children in your expansion you include your husband in your expansion it's mm-hmm. like i discovered this yeah. or i was feeling this or what do you think mm-hmm. or how did you feel like wasn't wasn't alexia like a little snappy and your daughter's kind of like, yeah, she didn't get a good grade. Mm. And you're like, mm. oh. Yeah. And it's like you're having conversations. It's like, what was your experience? What mm-hmm. did you experience? So then again, it's like you're including people instead of directing them. Yeah. Every everyone, according to the yogic wisdom, everyone is self-directed. So the goal of yoga is self-actualization. Mm-hmm. And so this, that is a pathway in order to connect to yourself, to connect to that which is seeded within. You know, they say the, the tree knows how to, the seed knows how to become the tree. Mm-hmm. So there is nowhere in any of the yogic scriptures, and I've read numerous ones, I've never found a passage that says that giving advice is a good use of time. It's a good one to remember. So don't do it. Don't do yeah. it with your kids. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow, that didn't mm-hmm. work out, did it? Yeah. <laughs> now what? Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so in other words, you yeah. know what I mean? They're yeah. actualizing and your husband is actualizing. So then the family yeah. unit becomes a place where people share. Yeah. And it's like, well, I had a disaster today. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, really? You know, and then and then you share. So, you know, the perfection is something that is inside you, and it's a false belief. There's some feeling that you could be God, that you could somehow control everything, and that everybody will be fine, and that everyone will end up healthy. 
and that your children and your family will be successful. That's not always true. Sometimes they die. Sometimes they get sick. Sometimes they get injured. Sometimes they get angry. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, wow, you are very angry right now. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah. It's like, wow. Mm -hmm. Just, wow. Now what? Mm -hmm. I'm going to throw things. It's like, (laughs) oh, wow. Mm -hmm. How's that working for you? Do you feel better? No. And it's also, it's enjoyable for all of us when we live our lives together like that. Like tonight, the fact that I'm taking Jemima to your show. I mean, she's so excited about it. She's been talking yeah. about it for days. And I, I, since she was born, I would take her to Kundalini classes because I was friends with all the teachers. And, mm-hmm. and there were no other kids there. But it's just, it's always been something so special for us, you know, that bonding time. And it's my time too. And mm-hmm. it's her time. And it's mm-hmm. not just these... I feel like as a mom, it's things are so compartmentalized too. Like this is just a mommy and me class, or this is just my class, or this is your time, and it can be a flow. And life is so much more enjoyable like that too. Mm-hmm. And if it isn't, give yourself permission to have it be kind of unflowy. <laughs> it is, and it's it like okay, it is. Yeah. this is not flowing, mm-hmm. and then you're like. All right, so now what? You know, so again, like, just just keep feeling. Just, like, that felt good. It's like, Mommy and me felt good. It's like, what other things could we do like that? You know, when my daughter moved with me here to Los Angeles when she was three. And from ages three to four, every weekend, we went out to a different church. We went to Hare Krishna Temple, we went to Gospel Church, we went, like, all these places. And it was, like, it was really, it was beautiful. And I wasn't trying to convert her Mm -hmm. to something. I was just saying, wow. (laughs) All these things. (laughs) Look at all these things, Mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah. Thank you so much. Yay. You shared so many amazing things. Jay, 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 Jay,